following all adulting adults. You're tuning into The Grown Up Podcast, a show I created to talk about the struggles of the new millennium and share different perspectives in order to make sense of being a grown up. Along the way, I search for independent music, businesses, and individuals who make a way for themselves in the content creating industry via podcasts, books, blogs, vlogs, and more to show that we should support each other's ideas instead of tear them down. Tune into the podcast monthly and don't forget to follow me to stay up on new artists, new adventures, oh yeah, and more grown up shit. Now, let's get to the episode. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. What's good, grown-up gang? Today I have a great episode for you. All I ask is that you have an open mind and an open heart to understanding that everyone is different and we all equally deserve a right to be heard. Now let's get to the show. What's good, everybody? My name is Dee and welcome back to Grown Up where you already know what we do. We talk about life, being a grown up, all the conversations that we don't normally have on a daily basis because we are consumed with social media, working, our families, like all these things. And it's difficult for us to have conversations, real conversations that we need to have um, on a daily basis. And uh, I think we really scratched the surface a lot in life. So welcome to Grown Up Podcast, where we talk about all the conversations that we need to talk about um, in life so that we can keep improving as a society. So today I have a brand new guest joining me and I'm getting a little bit diverse here on the podcast. So you guys, it's going to be a good episode for you. So stick around. It's going to be awesome. And uh, I'm excited. So I really appreciate this guest for reaching out and uh, wanting to get showcase who he is to you guys and bringing his conversation uh, to the Grown Up Podcast. So uh, welcome, Britt East, to the show. Welcome. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for reaching out. I mean, I've only been doing this for a couple months and, you know, it's it's really nice for people to reach out and you know, say, hey, you know, it's you, you sound like you're doing good over there. <laughs> can I kind of <laughs> can I kind of jump in a little bit and see what I could do? So um, thank you. Appreciate you. So um, go ahead. Uh, tell us your name again. You know, introduce yourself. Uh, tell us what you do, how long you've been doing it for. And tell us your favorite pastime when you're not working. Yeah, so my name is Britt East. I live in Seattle with my husband and our absolutely insane dog. <laughs> and I, by day I work in digital marketing. I've been doing that for a long time now, maybe two decades. And But my passion is in writing and public speaking and particularly working with the queer community um, and most especially around fractures within our community, places where we struggle to come together as a community and support one another. Mm-hmm. And to that end, I published a book last year called A Gay Man's Guide to Life, which is a lot of kitchen table wisdom about 
um, you know, what we can do to create a life worth living. But I also have kind of subtly put a sucker punch in there about um, anti-racism, anti-misogyny, especially as practiced within the, the queer community. Um, for fun, I'm a huge soccer geek. Uh, really? I'm a athlete. No yeah, way. I watch, yeah, I watch a lot of soccer. If I'm watching TV, it's soccer. It's it's my. You should feel bad for my husband. It's really quite <laughs> pathetic. Um, I just, that's I that's all insane. Sorts of leagues. Yeah, and that's, so I I used to I play and I love it. Oh, cool! That's yeah. That's, that's I played. Cool. I ref. I love watching it. Yes, oh that's gosh. crazy. See, we were just drawn to one another. I know, I know, I know. (laughs) Fate, you got to love it, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah. And I support a loser team, so I have a lot of free time on my hands. So I don't get to, I, I'm, you know, I'm not like all oh, some crazy fans out there when their teams are winning and, you know, they're consumed by it. I actually, I actually yeah. have some free time on my hand because my team sucks. Over the years, so. <laughs> hey, I mean, there's something for everybody, even if there's a sucky team, someone loves that team, you yeah, know, yeah, so yeah. it is what it is. But you love yeah. watching soccer. So, you know, there's no loot. There's no loss in that to me. Yeah. So. Um, well, again, thank you for joining me on the Grown Up Podcast here today. And as he mentioned, he has written a book and he's into public speaking and digital marketing. So, of course, we're going to get into that Um Of course, in just a second here, let me give a shout out to the fans really quick. Thank you guys for supporting the Grown Up Podcast and posting about it and liking and sharing and all of that. I really appreciate you guys. And uh, of course, you guys, please go and check out That's Not Canon.com. That's the independent podcast company I'm signed with. We are adding more podcasts um, constantly, constantly. So go check them out. See what podcast sparked your interest. And let's get back to the episode. So, um, Today, we're going to talk about a topic that is definitely far less discussed at all, really, um, I think. And it's pretty much talking about, you know, living your life as a gay man, as well as understanding the life of a gay man. And to me, my personal opinion, I believe some people think that they should parent their children differently just because of who they love. And in return, that's why many gay men are lost and struggle to find like a sense of direction in life to be able to envision a future for themselves. And that's pretty much kind of what you discuss in your book. And, you know, Britt East is here and he wants to fill in those gaps for us and inspire you guys to one, not only read the book, but actually really try to understand what you're reading. Uh, So first of all, before we get into your book, tell us about your digital marketing career and what experiences led you to want to write a book. Yeah, so um, I've worked in digital marketing for two decades and it's kind of funny because my background is in classical music. And in fact, I was a professional musician and, and I have a graduate degree in, in classical music. And um, it was when my life fell apart, which I kind of d- discussed in the book, and I had to completely reboot everything, mm-hmm. that I decided to make a break from that career and, and just have a clean start. And so I was so afraid when I first moved to Seattle, I was living in Chicago at the time, mm-hmm. um, that nobody would hire me because I had no relevant experience in 
anything. I, I really had no skills outside of classical music, I thought. That's what I told myself. Yeah. Um, but I was incredibly lucky in that I moved here at the beginning of the dot-com boom in 2000. And so anybody with a pulse could get a job. And a pulse was about all I had going for me, I thought. And so <laughs> I got this temp job. I remember sitting down in the chair the very first day and thinking to myself, okay, I can do this. You're going to be okay. I can do this for like the next 20 years. Right. Well, lo and behold, all of those soft skills that helped me in my classical music career, whether it's discipline, um, public speaking, writing papers in graduate school, um, you know, performing without any sense of anxiety. Mm -hmm. They helped me um, advance really rapidly in technology and marketing. And before I knew it, I was getting promotion after promotion. Um, and I had sold myself a bill of goods that I had to go to a university and major in XYZ in order to get a career in ABC. When the truth is that life is not that linear. Right. And what you might perceive as a deficiency could just be your superpower. And right. in fact, that's what it turned out in my case. So I was Definitely. very fortunate and then worked very hard on, on top of it. But um, I tried to share that with everybody I meet in case there's any fine arts majors out there despairing, any actors languishing <laughs> the pandemic, thinking, okay, what do I do? Mm -hmm. You can, if you choose, you can reinvent yourself. And that's really one of the cool things about the system that we have is it kind of celebrates that reinvention. So don't let anybody limit you. Yes, yes, definitely. That is so amazing. That is, I mean, I, you know, I, I went to college for, I I, I did a, a second go round. I dropped out the first yeah. time and I went back. Um, and the first time I went, I really didn't grasp anything, you know, from the experience. And I usually don't like to put myself in a box where I know that I'm not going to be able to figure out how to get out of it. So I just got out of it really quickly. And once I went back to college and thoroughly went through the entire experience and I realized that even though at the end my major was going to be radio and television and who really who really majors in that and how do you even think about what kind of jobs you can get from you know from that degree but like you said you know once you look into you know the papers that you wrote the time that you took you the discipline of getting up and going to class and putting projects that you do and all of that stuff that you put together like you start to realize wow maybe I do have you know something I got a little something something going here and I, I completely understand you because that's how I was able to start this podcast because I, I seen that I did a couple things and okay I did well <laughs> so maybe I could advance a little bit but um, I'm very glad that you you brought that up so uh as you mentioned, you also have a passion for public speaking. So how did that present itself to you? And what are the benefits that you've taken away from being a public speaker? Well, I first started performing as a musician, and that's where I got comfortable being on stage and looked at by, you know, a sea of eyeballs and, you know, not freaking out because it's, I think, you know, one of the number one fears, phobias that people have out there. So I got comfortable with that at a very early age. Right. But I did not find my voice until my life fell apart. And what happened was I was... Um, 
Um, living in Chicago with my partner, um, we had been together for maybe five years uh, at the time in a monogamous relationship, which was pretty rare in the 90s for, for two guys yeah. our age. I mean, we were in our early mid-20s. Mm. Uh, no, early 20s, I guess. And and so, um, you know, he's this great guy, but I was completely unprepared for life mm -hmm. um, because I was a survivor of child abuse and some other dynamics in my in my story. Mm -hmm. I, I just was so I did not have the foundation to be a full-fledged adult and self-sustaining and resilient in, in, in this world, mm -hmm. to be able to live life on life's terms. So what the, that way that translated in the relationship was I was codependent. I, I had an excessive emotional reliance on him. Mm -hmm. um, he was not just my partner, he was my everything. He was my teacher, my guide, you know, and, yeah. and it was just, it was patently unfair. And I, and I had this, you know, invested so much of my self-worth in the relationship because I could not stand on my own two feet. And right. then one day, he was arrested for having sex with a minor. Mm. And that just completely destroyed my life. And it would be wow. traumatic for anyone, but because I had no foundation, it obliterated me. Yeah, yeah. Now the grace in that is that I um, chose to stay with him and work through it. And mm. um, he decided to get into a 12-step recovery program for sex addicts. And he started to get better. And I was inspired by that. So I got into a companion program. And the way that AA has a companion program called Al-Anon for partners and spouses and family members of alcoholics. Oh, wow. Sex addiction also back then and still does has companion programs for sex addiction recovery. The one I was in was called Codependence of Sex Addicts Anonymous. Mm -hmm. And it changed my life. For the very first time, I sat in rooms with people who had been through what I had been through and had many similar issues to me, and I felt safe, and I started for the very first time in my life to take off my mask, mm. and it felt electrifying. It was so thrilling to be seen for the first time by benevolent witnesses, and that is where I found my voice. In the sharing of those rooms with those sweet souls, that is where I first learned um, to tap into my authentic spirit and to, and to really allow my light to shine. And eventually I started speaking at conferences and events and um, retreats all within the 12 steps. And then that grew to other modalities um, where I was doing, you know, working in yoga and meditation and the Hoffman process and all sorts of different modalities out there. And one thing led to another and I just realized like my words are my world and this is my gift that um, to, to give to others who, who might be suffering in the same way that I was um, to help make their path a little easier, whether it's through um, the process of writing or the process of speaking. This is where I feel most alive is when we are in communion together. Right, right. That's amazing. That's a great like thing to discover. And it's also a very difficult thing to discover, too, yes. because you're just kind of <laughs> jumping into it. Yes. And um, I'm not really too. I'm OK with public speaking, <laughs> but uh, you're doing it right now. I, yeah. But <laughs> but I, with this, you don't you're not even thinking about it. I like I'm not even thinking about who or who is going to turn this on and listen to it. But when they're in front of you, you, I mean, of course, all, it's in front of you. It's right in the front of your head. So you're like in your head and uh, it's a whole thing. But 
I commend you for coming to that conclusion and, you know, being able to actually continue to do it and have a, a passion for it. So, mm-hmm. um, so your book was released in June of last year. So tell us, you know, what that process was like um, when you realized you wanted to write a book and did uh, your experience, uh, did you experience any writer's block or was it easy to just let your thoughts kind of flow? Yeah, so I procrastinated for about, uh, you know, 15, 20 years on the book. I'm a a procrastinator, (laughs) chronic procrastinator here. Yeah, you know, I just could not figure it out. And people all along the way were like, oh my gosh, you got such an amazing story. You have to share it and write it all down. And I just had a block. I could not figure out a way that felt right to me and congruent with my values. I, I don't like the way some people write memoirs and the, and the way they spill all of the blood on the page, especially with um, when people in their lives are still walking the planet and impacted by their words. I was mm-hmm. you know, guided by that principle of anonymity in the 12 steps, but also, you know, kind of the first do no harm. And so I I had to figure out a way to tell my story that was my, about my story, not the story. And, and, and really what kept me um, from putting it all down was I did not want to make myself the center of the story. Somehow that felt like I was prostituting my pain and Uh I, I was, I had an aversion to that. So I, I was working with a life coach a couple of years ago who helped me realize that if I flip the script and I make the reader the hero of the story mm-hmm. and about the reader's journey and maybe just infuse the story with some of my um, you know, past and narrative and biography to, yeah. build cre- cre- to build rapport and gain credibility with the reader and help them see they're not alone, but really to make it about the reader rather than the writer. Mm-hmm. Then it just flowed. And I probably wrote the book in eight months. Wow. Um, it just, it was more like dictation, frankly. It was like mm-hmm. the hollow read kind of metaphor of something just passed through me. It just had to be born. You right. know, it, was just, it was a matter of how fast can I type? Wow. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Like a yeah. turnaround. <laughs> yeah. That's crazy. Like, that's kind of like me. I, I, when I initially knew that I wanted to start a podcast, I, I literally, and I still have it in, in my hard drive. I've recorded about nine or 10 episodes of a whole podcast. And I listened to it and I said, I scratched the whole thing. And I was like, nope, this isn't it. And then one day out of nowhere, this the name grown up just crossed my mind. I wrote it down on my phone. And then from there, every day after that, I just had an idea, I had an idea and I mm-hmm. had another one, another one. And then before I knew it, I pressed record and I just, I started. So um, that's crazy how life works, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that voice is so sacred. That yeah. voice of intuition or higher power, whatever you want to call it, is so mm-hmm. sacred. And, and I wish more of us listened to it. Yeah, definitely. Um, because I think there's a lot of power in it. And so it doesn't surprise me that when you when you honored it, then, then things just flowed. Because that's been my experience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, so we discussed that you wanted to plan out a series kind of, of yeah. uh, books uh, for after this one. Uh, so how did you reach that conclusion on, uh, you know, that you wanted to create that series? And then what keeps you focused and grounded when it does come to down to writing? Um, you know, so 
my background in classical music means I'm very disciplined because, mm. you know, a professional musician spends four, six hours a day alone yes. obsessing mm -hmm. over mm -hmm. any little flaw in their technique. Mm -hmm. um, and so you just kind of build that muscle over time, that muscle yeah. of discipline. And so that comes naturally to me. Um, and so it becomes more a matter of creating a space where the voice that we were just discussing can intercede mm -hmm. because I'm the intercessor for that voice. So right. I just make a path for that voice so it can flow through me and onto the page. Mm. Um, now, with regards to the series, because I am, you know, have this background in marketing, I have kind of a leg up on maybe some authors and thinking um, long term about this project. What do I want to do? How can I be of the most service? Mm -hmm. And so when I was planning the title of the book, I came up, I wanted to be simple and straightforward because that's the, the kitchen reflective of the kitchen table wisdom that I present in the book, mm -hmm. Experience, Strength and Hope. So mm -hmm. I wanted the title to represent that accurately. A Gay Man's Guide to Life is what could be simpler than that. And right. I realized that I could do A Gay Man's Guide to insert topic here and mm. it could be about anything that i discuss in the book so in this book it's kind of a primer i mm -hmm. break down the various facets of life into their logical components like mind body spirit finances right. um, career love sex family friends you know and i just kind of right. go through the list so i could take any of those and dive deep in a subsequent mm. book and then over time you have a series so the next one I have coming out is I'm, I'm already in the writing process. Um, it's called A Gay Man's Guide to Love. And where this book, I really tried to take on, as most especially racism within the, the especially the gay, white, cis uh, male community, mm -hmm. but also touch on misogyny. The next one, I'm gonna dive really deep into gay misogyny, because mm -hmm. I believe that misogyny is the, the root of our homophobia. And, and when combined with racism, it, uh, most particularly limits our access as gay, especially white cis men, our access mm -hmm. to love. Mm -hmm. When we fear the feminine in ourselves, when we buy into the way society pathologizes the feminine or pathologizes um, people of color, then not only are we harming those people, but we're also harming ourselves because we're limiting our, our access to love. It's like that old quote from Mame, you know, life is a buffet and most of us are starving to death. Right. So that's what the next book is going to be about, love and all the various forms and facets, you know, romantic, platonic and stuff, and about how queer people in particular can learn to be more empowered and thereby give them greater access to it and experience more joy and love in their day-to-day -day lives. That's definitely genius. I <laughs> <laughs> That is genius <laughs> um, to generalize like you like you said a primer and then boom you hit each one and you dive in that that's incredible I, I'm again commend you because it's very difficult to come up with wanting to take an independent path because being an author is very very much independent of all independent things because yeah. you are literally it's just you yeah. writing words <laughs> so yeah. taking that and putting it into actually an action then you I whew, okay let me just <laughs> let me just move on here um you have any advice for those who want to pursue being an author 
Yeah, absolutely. Find your voice and, and protect it with all of your might. And mm. so that voice can be anything, any genre. You will know it when you happen on it because it's electrifying and it's where you feel most alive when you tap into it. So you're yes. going to have to go on some sort of a quest, whatever that means to you, to find that voice, unless you already have it. And if you have it, if you have access to it, you cultivate a sacred, secret, personal practice that you can tap into it. Don't tell anybody else about it because that will dilute it. Mm. You know, you create yes. whatever sacred ceremonies you need so you can access it. And then you and you you treat it with respect so you don't deplete it, you don't mm -hmm. prostitute it, you don't, you know, you, you, you save it for the projects that are close to your heart. Um, the rest, if you do that, the rest will fall into place. At that point, you're just looking for an opportunity. And you, an opportunity, I believe, for most of us, um, will happen if we're ready and prepared and ready to, to, to seize it. So you got to do that personal quest, that personal practice first to be ready for that opportunity when it comes your way and then, and then you jump at it. And you just have to broaden your mind because you have no idea what that opportunity is going to look like. If it comes in a certain way that you might discount because of some prejudice or bias, you got to be on the lookout for that and do your personal work there to, to make sure you're, you're open-minded and ready. But it's all about that voice that is uniquely yours. Don't try to be somebody else, just be yourself and follow the energy. Yes, yes, that's some great advice. Um, so as we're going to go ahead and wrap it up here, what kinds of transitions have you had to make to explore, you know, being an author and as well as what challenges have you had to overcome in order to continue exploring, you know, being an author? That's a really interesting question. Nobody's asked me that. <laughs> you know, it's fascinating because I was just thinking about this the other day. Whenever you embark on something new, of course it's new. You're going to have puppy feet and need training wheels a little bit. And it's going to mm -hmm. look completely different um, once you're in the experience than you had anticipated. And this project for me has been no different. I thought it would land a little different with different audiences than it has. I thought it might resonate differently than it has. I had no idea it would be as successful as it's been. And with all of that, that means the work that I do day to day to shepherd this book through the world is different than I anticipated, both in quantity and quality. Mm -hmm. So I had no idea, for instance, that writing and launching and publishing a book would be like taking ownership over a small business. Yeah. And I cannot stress this enough. There is no end, literally, there's no end to the work that I could do in a given day. Mm -hmm. So I have to make really um, smart decisions and hold firm boundaries about um, where I'm going to put my time and my energy because I have a day job. I also do a lot of volunteer work. I'm also married, yada, yada, yada. We're all busy. Yeah. So you have to, when you take on this project, you have to realize it is a multi-year endeavor. It is not like, hey, it's a pandemic song. I'm going to crank out a book and check right. it off my bucket list. Mm -hmm. That's just not really how, unless you're just going to throw it out in the world and then walk away. Yeah. That's just not how it works. It's mm -hmm. really an ongoing endeavor to shepherd it through the world. And it's, it's certainly sales and marketing, but it's also, um, I think from for many authors, at least in the personal growth and development space, we're trying to build something. There's a servant mm -hmm. leadership component to it. And so we're trying to build a platform for, from which we can serve. And that is a multi-year project and it's going to maybe consume more of your time and, and, and take more of your energy than you might have realized 
And it's going to also bring you different opportunities than you had ever dreamed. I talk, for instance, to people every day. I've talked to hundreds and hundreds of, of gay men as a result of this book um, that have come to me, men coming out in their 70s and 80s, coming out of the closet. Wow. You know, kids in their 20s. I mean, I'm old, so I say kids in their 20s, <laughs> you know, that are, that are looking for some quick advice, pragmatic mm-hmm. advice on getting a leg up as they get started into their adulthood. Mm-hmm. And everything in between, it's just absolutely blown me away. So it's, it's about finding that voice, being open-hearted, and then putting that frame, the guardrails, creating a container where you can be successful. So you are preserving um, all of the components of your life that are important to you. And you, most importantly, take care of the love that sustains you. Yes, yes, that is beautiful words spoken. Um, so do you have any final encouraging words for those who um, want to figure out how to find their niche? And especially during this pandemic, a lot of people have kind of tried to <laughs> attempt looking for something that they have previously tried, but, you know, failed to create any support for. So yeah. do you have any, you know, encouraging words for them? Yeah, you know, I believe there's a lot of problems with our culture and our society mm-hmm. here in the U.S. But having said that, I also believe that one of them is not um, penalizing your failures. In many yeah. cultures like Europe and Asia in particular, you get penalized systematically, programmatically as you, as you start things and fail at them. But in the U.S. we actually celebrate that. So I encourage you to set some time and money aside each month, much like you would say for a vacation. Mm-hmm. Set some time and money aside to invest in your passions. A lot of us are out there trying to turn a buck and that's, you know, obviously um, has to be the, the, the most important um, thing you do because that's going to that's going to afford you opportunities. Right. But never lose sight of that dream. Never lose sight of your passions because that's when we kind of wither and, and, and age. But if you're able to maintain that vision, hold on to it, and just invest a little bit of time and money in your piggy bank each day, then after a while you'll have enough to you'll have enough seed money to to launch something. Whether it is launching a blog and paying for the associated web mm-hmm. development costs, for instance, whether it's launching a podcast or writing mm-hmm. a book or an article. Whatever your dream might be, if you if you are smart about you know protecting it and planning for it and fighting for it, then I think that you can make it a reality. Because that's certainly what I did. I self, for instance, I um, self-published this book, and so I was the master of the ship the whole way. And um, you know, I had to. This was a vision that I had that I had to fight for every step of the way, and I had to take ownership every step of the way. And I, I know that if I can do it, anybody can. So I really encourage all of your listeners to hold on to that dream at all costs, and to protect it and nourish it. Yes. And one of the ways you can nourish it is through, you know, taking care of the love that sustains you in your day-to-day life, continuing to save your your dollars and nickels and and coins so that you can um, afford the time and expense to to nurture that dream and and to see it to fruition. Definitely. Well, thank you so much, Britt East, for joining me here on the Grown Up Podcast. I really appreciate it. Um, Please go ahead and say any personal shout outs if you would like to give them. Of course, uh, let them know your book again, where they can find it. And um, if you have social medias that they you would like them to check out and your website, of course, as well. 
Yeah, I'm gonna make this so easy on everyone. Um, <laughs> the hub for all of my work is my website, which is breakbeast.com. Yes. It has links to my socials. It has free articles that I publish that you can check out. I've published all on all sorts of blogs and, and online journals. You can check those out for free, all linked from my website. It has uh, a blog that I write that's for free. Um, it also has a link to a page where you can buy my book. What I've done is I've consolidated a list of all of the online participating retailers that I could find out there. Places nice. like Amazon, Barnes and Noble, but even lots of independent Ooh. online retailers where you can buy my book. And then the book is also available um, wherever books are sold. But if you go to my website, that's just the easiest place to, to direct you in the right place. And I do want to leave your listeners with one final message, which is that as, as cliche as it might sound, I truly believe that we are all in this together. And that if each of us took a little less, we would all have so much more and that there is no greater wisdom than kindness definitely yes those are beautiful words to end with thank you so much i really appreciate you for joining me here on the podcast and of course you guys i will have his website link in the description for you guys to click it right away so you can go and check out his book and check him out he's great wasn't he he was awesome this entire <laughs> time <laughs> you guys please go and check him out again thank you so much and maybe in the future once you get your series going i can have you back here on the podcast what do you say that would be wonderful thank you so much for everything you're doing such amazing work and i'll be cheering you on the whole way oh thank you so much i really appreciate that well that's it you guys it's the grown-up podcast again it's Britt east joining me today and go check out his book stay safe be kind and we out ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 